Well, good morning, church. We're having a wedding. Yeah, it's a celebration. And uh, I am so excited to be able to welcome you here today on behalf of the wedding family. I'm going to ask everyone to stand as we get ready for the bride. So Carlos. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you may be able to take your seats. I'm sorry to announce the bride wasn't ready. 
please close the doors to the banquet hall. But we are going to have a wedding and a wedding banquet today. Amen. All right. Pastor Carlos, I need your help. I can't get rid of the keyboard. <laughs> they say that 20% of all the weddings that are planned never eventuate. Jesus told us that he's coming back for a wedding. How many of you are looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ and a wedding? Amen. But Jesus talked a lot about this wedding. If you just get rid of the keyboard for me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> How do we get rid of this top bar? <laughs> All right. Can we get rid of that? Technology. Makes life easier. I'm still trying to convince myself about that. All right. I don't know if I'm going to mess it up again. But anyway, we're having a wedding even without the bride who wasn't ready. Because in this hall are many brides that are ready. Amen. So they say as many as 20% of planned weddings never eventuate. If you have your Bible with me, I want you to open once again to Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to look at the parable that Jesus shared. You know, sometimes we, we talk about Jesus and in the process we tend to forget Jesus is God in the flesh. So these words are coming straight out of God's heart. This story, a parable, is a truth of heaven that parallels truths that are meant to affect earth. And that's why Jesus told parables. In Matthew chapter 25, he tells the parable of the ten virgins. And it starts in verse 1, at that time, the kingdom of heaven. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. It's very important that we keep the light of our faith burning in our hearts. The Bible clearly teaches all through the New Testament that we are the bride of Christ. We are the church, we are the bride, and we are God's beloved. And God is preparing a wedding banquet for everyone who remain true to the faith. How many true to the faith do we have here today? Give me a big wave. Come on, cheer each other on because we are going to be the subject of a great feast and a great banquet. Some believe, some theologians believe that Jesus will come just before the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. And that as the church is raptured for seven years, 
we will be having a wedding banquet with him in heaven. You know, in uh, many cultures, they celebrate a wedding for a whole week. That's a lot of good eating. I don't know if the bride and the bridegroom have to hang around for a whole week. I, I, I think I would want a few hours to excuse myself and come back again. But at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. You and I, in our life, should be living in such a way where we are looking forward to the bridegroom and we go out to meet him, so to speak. It says five of the ten were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but didn't take any extra oil with them. In fact, it says they didn't take any oil with them. You know, sometimes when we dig deeper into the original Greek manuscripts or the Hebrew, if it's Old Testament, we find a wealth of information that sometimes seems to be missed as words have a change of emphasis or depth of meaning. And so for this morning... I want to show you what the word foolish actually means in the original Greek. If we put this up on the screen, the word foolish can be found in the Greek reference of 3474, and it's the word moros, which means dull, stupid, or foolish. If we were to look into the Helps Word Studies Dictionary, a biblical dictionary using uh, explanations for New Testament words, we find that the word moros is actually the root word for the term that we use in English, moron. Properly speaking, it means to be dull, insipid, without a sharp edge. Figuratively speaking, to be foolish is to be mentally inert, dull in understanding. That's an interesting term because Jesus talked often and he repeated a phrase that the prophets often said in the Old Testament and Jesus repeats it in the New Testament and he says to those who were supposed to be of the household of faith, you have eyes but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't hear. And this was true by the speaking of the Old Testament prophets, and Jesus spoke it in his day. He said, you have eyes, but you don't see, and you have ears, but you don't hear. And one of the things that we need to be careful of is that we don't just belong to the household of faith, but the Faith of Christ is living inside of our house. Can I get an agreement? They had eyes, they didn't see. They had ears, they didn't hear. And with their minds, they didn't understand. The word foolish 
uh, uh, figuratively speaking, includes dull in understanding, lacking a grip on reality. And dare I use the last word that they used in their dictionary? Brainless. You see, I think sometimes we, the church, get caught up in the reality of the world. And we get caught up with what the media has to say. We have gotten caught up with our college professors and what they have to say. We get caught up in public opinion and what public opinion has to say. But I want to tell you that the truth of gravity is true irrespective of customs, culture. The truth of gravity is true whether it was the first day of creation or 2025. You see, truth never changes. Cultural opinion changes. Ideologies change. Theories come and theories go. But truth is always truth, and it will remain forever. And we understand that Jesus Christ is the truth. Yeah, give the Lord a clap. And so these five foolish virgins didn't have a grip on the reality of God's truth. Too often we are seduced by the reality that the media, media is per, uh, permeating into our living rooms. Too often we are living by the reality of unsaved men and women. Too often we are living by the so-called wisdom of the world. But there is only one wisdom that comes down from heaven, and that is the truth of God. These five foolish virgins were foolish because they had taken hold of the wrong reality. In fact, as I've studied end-time events and current trains and thought, it's actually purported, according to CBN, Christian Broadcasting News, that over 36% of ministers today don't believe in the rapture of the bride of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Not having a grip on reality. I want to tell you I would rather be ignorant of all the knowledge of the world but be a scholar and a doctor of the Word of God. Amen. Give the Lord an agreement if you agree with that today. What's interesting about this definition of foolish is that <clears throat> the words dull and insipid immediately stir up in my spirit, and what it brought to mind was a letter that Jesus wrote to one of the seven churches. Seven churches are mentioned in the book of Revelations. Each one of them got a, pur a purposeful letter, speech, a come to Jesus moment, if you would, from the Christ. And in Revelations chapter 3, verse 16 to 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words 
of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. This is Jesus. How many of you would agree with me that a bridegroom has the right to choose who he wants to marry for the rest of his life? Just like a bride has the right to say yes or no, and she makes a choice. He goes on to say, I know your deeds. He's talking to one of his brides. I know your deeds. You are neither cold or hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. And you say, but I'm rich. I've acquired wealth, and I don't need anything. But you don't realize that you are actually wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold that's refined in the fire so that you really can be rich. And white clothes to wear. So you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Then the Lord says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Listen, I love preaching a word of edification. I love preaching motivation. I love preaching about the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. But when we refuse his love and we abuse his grace, there comes a point where there's a come to Jesus in the waiting. He says, those I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. If anyone opens that door. And then he says, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious, and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's very interesting that Jesus said, you say you're rich, you say you're okay, you say I'm fine. He said, but I tell you, you're actually not that okay. And you need to buy from me gold that has been refined in the fire and receive from me white linen clothing so that you could cover your shamefulness and your nakedness and so that you could receive an ointment for your eyes, eyes that cannot see. He finishes this passage. I don't know if you noticed. He says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It is very important not to fall into the category of those who don't have a grip on reality. The category of the dull. The category of the foolish 
virgins. Jesus, even in this passage, says, you're insipid. You're neither hot or cold. And if you're my bride and you're not excited about me the way I'm excited about you, I don't know. Maybe we need to rethink the situation. I said to you a few weeks ago, if my daughter or my son was courting someone and they were never excited about getting together with them and always had reasons for being late and always wanted to be with their friends more so than one of my kids, I would quickly tell them, hey, you need to love yourself a bit more than what you do because you deserve to have someone who will be fascinated about you. How many of you think that Jesus Christ deserves to be fascinated over? Amen. Amen. And sometimes we preach a grace that has no similarity to the grace that God preaches. You see, in Titus, Paul writes to Titus and he says, the grace that comes from God. Now, if there's only one grace and there is no counterfeit, why stipulate the grace that comes from God? But the Apostle Paul goes on to say, the grace that comes from God teaches us to say no to all ungodliness. You see, you and I are the bride of Christ in waiting. But while he has chosen us, and while he has already supplied the wedding garment, while he has given us robes of righteousness, it behooves the bride in waiting to walk in a manner worthy of the groom she's about to marry. Can I get an agreement? Amen. In Matthew chapter 25, we go back to uh, this parable. And verse 4 to 5, Jesus goes on and says, The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamp. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now, why would Jesus put that in there? Coincidentally, it's been 2,000 years. He hasn't come yet, has he? And every so often, the church goes through a phase. I remember in the 70s, uh, a series came out like Left Behind. Uh, songs came out like, uh, like A Thief in the Night. And there were movies and there were stories and there was so much talk about the return of Jesus Christ. And it became a focus point. Not that anyone predicted a particular time or day. There was the alignment of the planets and a lot of speculation that when the planets align, Jesus is going to come back. And over the centuries, there have been many highlights in history where the church was pretty confident Jesus is about to come. Well, if you're going to come like a thief in the night, it only stands to reason that there will be many almost opportunities but he will come suddenly and too often unexpectedly. It says here in the parable, Jesus could have omitted this. Maybe a lot of preachers, 
if they do preach on this, omit it. But we have to stay true to what is written. And it says the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now, for Jesus to put that in the parable, it means it's a reality that heaven is aware of, and it's going to affect earth. And many will become drowsy, sleepy, dull, having lost the sharp edge and fall asleep. You know, he not only says this here in this parable, now this is in the Gospels. Some 70 years later, John the Apostles on the island of Patmos, he was sent there as a prisoner because of his faith in Jesus Christ. This old man wasn't going to give up what he saw or said. This old man, he saw Peter crucified upside down. He saw his brother James be the first Uh, One of the first martyrs, he was killed by the sword. He saw Thomas and Philip and all of the other apostles, every one of them, died as a martyr for the truth of the gospel. And here's John in his 90s being told that he needs to turn from this crazy faith that he has just like the world just like some of your friends might try to put undue pressure on you you don't need to be that fanatical I want to tell you I don't want to be cold and I don't want to be lukewarm when Jesus comes back I want to be kicking on all eights and if there are 12 cylinders I want them fired up as well John the Apostle, knowing full well the fate of every one of those disciples before him, refused to recant, and he was put on the island of Patmos. But what's interesting is that he gets caught up in a vision, and hence we have the book of Revelation. Things that John saw, things that John didn't understand, but he wrote them down anyway. And in Revelations chapter 3, Verse 3, Jesus is speaking, and this is what he says. Remember, therefore, what you have heard, received, and heard. Hold it fast. Remember, church, I'm about to tell you something, and Jesus said, remember this and hold fast to it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. So here we have in Jesus' parable, when he's walking on the earth and he's talking about the ten virgins, he says they, they, they fell asleep. He was a long time in coming. Here we have some 50 years later uh, or, or more, and John the apostle is in heaven, and he's hearing Jesus say, you've heard it, now Nourish this truth. Keep it predominant in the back of your mind and even the forefront of your mind. And he says, if you do not wake up. You see, God's letting us know it's a given fact that some will fall asleep and not be ready. 
and it's mentioned in Matthew, and it's brought up again in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 15, if that wasn't enough, Jesus says it again. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake. Blessed is the one who doesn't fall asleep. Blessed is the one who's not moros, who's not <laughs> dull, insipid. Blessed is the one who doesn't lose that fine cutting edge. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. For those of you who are here for the first time, I, it is over 20 years since I last preached in a three-piece suit. In fact, this is my wedding suit. I use this for when I'm uh, conducting a wedding. Normally, I'm in jeans and casual attire as I preach. But I clean up pretty good, don't I? It's interesting to see that it is a given fact, according to the Word of God, that some who are potentially meant to be part of the bride are going to fall asleep and lose their edge. And I know we've heard this story and we've heard about the coming of Jesus for 2,000 years, but it doesn't make it any less true. In fact, Jesus died over 2,000 years ago, but it doesn't diminish the reality that Jesus was, he came, he died, and he rose again. <laughs> Blessed is the one who stays awake. Blessed is the one who stays sharp. Blessed is the one who will be found reading my word hungry for worship. Blessed is the one who comes to my house and they are so excited as if it was their first love. You know, you don't call it a first love if you never lose it in, in the second place. It's a first love if you've lost it and you've got to come back to it. But that's okay. Some of us do stumble. We stumble. I stumble. If you've never stumbled, uh, I'm happy to have a counseling session with you after the service, and I'll be the one receiving counsel. <laughs> I stumble. I've slipped. I've often said, he's faithful. We're not always faithful. But I thank God that even when I'm not faithful, David, he's faithful. And the moment I repent and I get my heart right, out of sincerity, my father picks me up and puts me back in the position where I was from the beginning with Jesus Christ. I love that. Come on. Give the Lord a hand. I love that. He said, blessed are those who stay awake. The word awake here in this particular passage in the Greek is the word Gregorio. Gregorio. You got to roll your R's. Gregorio, it's like my name in American, when it's been Americanized, is Scarallo. But if an Italian were to say my name, it's Scarallo. You got to roll your, your arse. So Gregorio, Gregorio, 
to be awake, to be watchful, to be on the alert, to be vigilant. Listen, Jesus asked the question to his disciples, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? He poised that question not as some idiotic means of manipulating them. It is a reality. Some who were meant to be a part of the bride will fall asleep and not have that sharp edge. Some will be cold. Some will be lukewarm. But some will be red hot. I told you a couple of weeks ago when I got born again, and I became the bride of Christ, or one of the many brides, I married up. Yeah. And when you know you've married up, you got something better than you deserve. Yeah. I was dirty. I was homeless. I was lustful. I was sinful. I was broken. I was a mess. But he married me. And I married up. And when you find the catch of your life, it behooves you to live like a bride worthy of the one who has loved you irregardless. Blessed are those who are Gregorio, awake, alive, sharp, vigilant, excited about Jesus Christ. The parable of <clears throat> the ten virgins continues in Matthew 25. We now go to verse 6, and this is what it says. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. Church, I told you that probably uh, 12, 14 weeks ago now, I was in the prayer meeting here, and very clearly I heard the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to share with you a series of events that are going to sound like they were uniquely made up and crafted to sell a bill of goods. But when you're moving in the spirit, you move prophetically. And things happen that others who maybe have trouble believing will look at and say, yeah, you're telling me a story. So I'm going to tell you a series of things. And while I may risk credibility in some eyes, I must be honest to the truth and speak the truth. And so about 12, 13 weeks ago, the Spirit of God, as I'm praying, said, tell the virgins it's time to start gathering extra oil. And so six weeks ago, this is the sixth sermon in the series. Six weeks ago, I started this series waiting for his return. Friday, as I was walking in and out of the auditorium, Pastor Carlos and Danielle uh, were up in the sound booth. Danielle, if I'm lying or making this up, I give you permission to stand up and say, he's a false prophet, but you'll be fired after that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And they're, they're both laughing and chuckling up there. And Pastor Carlos says, Pastor Rob, come up here. And I come up onto the platform. And uh, there's Danielle at the computer with the screen open. And she started to tell me, now, help me if I don't get all the incidentals right. Um, you had bought a series for the youth, a teaching series, but had never really looked at it. And just in the last week or so, you decided, all right, I'll, I'll launch that new series starting this Sunday. Is that correct? And so she had a little bit of extra time on her hands, and she thought, let me pull the notes up that we're going to be doing Sunday in junior high. Now that I know that she had a little bit of extra time, uh, I'm going to give her more work. <laughs> I'm kidding. And she pulls up the note. She says, have a look at this here. And I go to have a look at the screen. And the very first lesson that all these young people just went outside to hear is all about the wedding banquet and the bride of Jesus Christ. No coordination, no consultation, no planning on our part. But you see, when you're listening to the Spirit of God, the voice of God knows the past, it knows the present, and it knows the future. And he prophetically puts things together. Can I get an agreement? I tell you, I, you know, I started laughing at the same time. If you've been around here for a while, you know that pastor can get passionate and loud and jump on chairs and preach, but he's also a softy. And so I started laughing, and then I started to weep. And why did I start to weep? Because it still amazes me that a person like me can hear the voice of the Spirit and that God would be concerned to even show up in this place. It amazes me that he had put this all together. How long ago did you buy that series? Last year sometime, okay? And God strung this all out, perfectly timing everything. And when she picked to do this series this Sunday, she had no idea what it was until she opened it this week. God is awesome, isn't he? Absolutely awesome. Incredibly awesome. But let's step aside for one second. And instead of just looking at the awesomeness of God and we all go, wow. Let's look at the fact he's saying something. And therefore, we need to have eyes that see and ears that hear. And he's saying it's time for his bride to get ready for the wedding of the universe. You see, we have a banquet today. And you say, Pastor, why didn't you announce it? We have uh, lamb done in gyros form. We have chicken. We have pulled pork. We have a sweet and spicy shrimp. We have corn, mashed potatoes. We have uh, fried rice. Uh, we have a wedding cake. We have a wedding cake. You say, well, Pastor, every time you do food, you're usually announcing it three, four weeks in advance so that we bring all of our friends. That's right. And those of you who didn't make it today, the whole point is 
We don't know when he's coming back. And so we just need to be ready all the time. In other words, we just need to be a good bride all the time. We need to be living in the honor that he has called us to. Some people see this as such a drudgery. No, he has given me a high calling. He has given me a status that I don't deserve. He's given me a position that's far beyond anything that my past life has lived up to. I have an honor and it is a privilege to be picked up out of the mud and seated in heavenly places and told that I'm handsome, I'm wonderful, I'm beautiful. And I am his beloved. And I want to live in such a way that is worthy of the bridegroom who's coming to receive his bride. Can I get an amen? Amen. Come on, give the Lord a big round of applause. And so like we usually do, can you smell any food out there? Can you smell the food? No? I should have left the lids off. So we're having a wedding banquet today. You might say, well, oh, Pastor, I wish you had announced it. I have something else planned afterwards. That's the point. Jesus said, I preached another parable last week. That some said, oh, I must attend to my business. I must attend to my vineyard. We're having a banquet afterwards, and I hope you can stay because we got some really good food. You can go to your restaurant next week. This is a wedding banquet. And if you're a first-time visitor, you're welcome because the Bible says that some that were invited from ages ago failed to show up and some showed up at the last minute and said, I'm here. You know, I have three grandchildren, all from Pastor Steve and my daughter, uh, Amy, Pastor Amy. I like to clarify that because I often call Pastor Steve my son, and he is. But my son married my daughter. Sounds a bit strange. But they have three children, and each one is unique in their own right. Totally unique. Three different personalities. And the last one, little Aria, is quite a character. They all are full of spunk. They all are very, very lively. Let me turn the mic off. They're all a handful. <laughs> but Aria has this unique trait in her personality that... Whenever there's a group of people gathered like this here, and she comes in, she opens the door, she looks around, she says, I hear. <laughs> we want to be the bride who can say, I hear. I am here. Amen. So who likes gyros meat, lamb meat? Adriana, come on down the front real quick. You like gyros meat? Okay. Now, I didn't want it getting burned, so I put the, the burner on really low. It's supposed to be warm or hot. I don't know if it is, 
But how about I give you a sample, Gina? I'll let uh, Adriana, if you uh, would do me a favor. And there she is. There she is. Okay, and I'll let you share it with Bill. Thank you. Has he been well behaved? Yes. Always. <laughs> That's the kind of church we're looking for. There you go. Here we go, Adriana. So you, you like lamb? Yeah. You know, in Australia, we eat a lot of lamb. And uh, they are a major producer of lamb. This has got the gyro sauce on it. Okay. Yes, yes. I, I said sauce because I can't pronounce that word. <laughs> and who likes pulled pork? Oh, look at you. You look so miserable. It's a party. I dressed up for it. This is probably one of the last times you'll ever see me in a suit and a, a three-piece suit, no less, with a tie. Listen, right now I have half an inch of sweat filling up my shoes, okay? So appreciate it. Who, who likes pulled pork? Nobody. Okay, you like pulled pork? Come on out the front. Donna, come on out the front. You see... This banquet's going to go on, as some theologians say, for three years. Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, sorry, not three years, seven years. Can you imagine having a celebration for seven years? Now, Lynn, you're going to keep track of everyone, and then you're going to collect the plates, aren't you? Lynn, you're always so prepared. Do you have a kitchen sink in your handbag today? <laughs> she has everything but the kitchen sink. She does. Oh, my goodness. Hold that up. She's got a bowl. If you've been here for a while, you know this lady just follows me around, and I do things off the cuff, and she's always ready. She is incredible. <laughs> All right, here you go, darling. Yes, you may share it with Pastor Tom. Carol, you like, you like this too? Do you like pulled pork? Yes. Yes. Well, here you go. How many of you are starting to get hungry? There you go. There you go. And we have some, who likes shrimp? Now, this is sweet and just a touch spicy. Do you like that? Okay, come on out the front. Who else? Someone over here. Angie, come on down. Now, the shrimp is cold because if it was warm, it just keeps cooking and it gets too rubbery, okay? So this has got a nice, sweet, but chilly sauce, okay? It's not too hot. It's just mildly hot, okay? Mmm. Here we go. Who, who else wants some shrimp? Put your hand up, everyone, if you want shrimp. All right, you got to wait till after the service. You'll get it, but you just have to wait. Here you go. There you go. And we also have special chicken as well. Who would like to try the chicken? Come on. Come on. Um, I'm having a brain fog here. Tina, Tina, come on, Tina. Awesome. 
How's the food? You like the shrimp? They are good, aren't they? You like that sauce? See, that's got my own secret recipe. Yeah, no, I can't tell you. If I tell you, I'll have to kill you. I can't share the recipe. <laughs> How, who's had the gyros? Who had the gyros? How's the gyros? Is it, is it warm or was it cold? It was delicious. You're so kind. Thank you. Father, give her an extra blessing. <laughs> I, one time I had the stuff up here, and I, during the service it was burning, and we started to have burnt offerings before the Lord. <laughs> so I didn't want to burn it this time. I put it down low, and it probably didn't get hot enough. All right. Who had the pulled pork? Let me see your hands. Is it good? Is it warm? It's a little bit cold. I, I apologize. But I'll tell you what, out there it's on sternos and it's coming straight from the chef's kitchen, honestly. All right? They, they're cooking it today and bringing it here so it'll be fresh. How many of you like weddings? Do you like weddings? Well, let me put it to you this way How many of you like eating? There you go. I knew that'd get a better response. Verse 6 to 13, at midnight the cry went out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. But the dull ones, the ones who didn't have a grip on reality, turned to the wise ones. And they said, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and for you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. You notice the call went out and there was a period of time before the bridegroom showed up. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. There is a video documentary. It's part acting and part documentary called Before the Wrath. I've shown it in Bible college, and all the students uh, totally, really loved it and appreciated it. In fact, year three just saw it for a second time, and um, uh, they said to me, you know what? It was, it was great watching it even a second time. Is that right, Donna? What did you think, Angie? And, and uh, Colleen, of course. I just wanted to see if you knew your name. That's, you know. <laughs> awesome, isn't it? Even the second time around. Before the wrath. And it's all about how when Jesus talked about the parable of the ten virgins, he was talking about a Galilean wedding. A Galilean wedding is very particular. It's unique, even in Israel. And so archaeologists discovered certain things around 
Galilee and learned about these traditions and customs. And uh, in a Galilean wedding, when the groom and the bride come into an agreement that they will marry, the bride goes off to get ready and stay ready. And the groom goes off to build a room onto his father's house. Jesus said to his disciples, I go, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm coming back to take you where I am. And that's exactly what the bridegroom would do. And according to this tradition, the groom, the son, didn't know when the wedding would be. The father would inspect and watch both parties. And he would say when the wedding would be. And so everyone just had to be ready. So just remember, wedding ready. Okay, wedding ready. How many guys are wedding ready? How many girls are wedding, wedding ready? It's a tongue twister. <laughs> say that 10 times. <laughs> I want to show you just a, a one-minute clip of this video. Because Jesus said, as it was in the day of Noah... Do you know that we are about to complete, according to the Bible and genealogies in the Bible, Hebrew scholars tell us, we are just about to complete a full 6,000 years of human history. If you study the scriptures, you'll see that the first 2,000 years, God dealt with mankind on a whole. And at the end of that, and man continued to sin, progressively invent evil things to do, God came with a judgment and he flooded the earth. A flood that has evidence around the earth and is known in something like 70 different cultures. But a judgment came. But before that judgment came, he built an ark, a covenant. And that family that was faithful to him went into the ark, and up until this point, it had never rained. The earth was watered by dew and mist and rivers. And people laughed and people scoffed. And it took Noah 120 years to build this ark. And it seemed like it was never going to happen, and everyone was convinced that Noah and his family were totally derailed mentally. The old man is insane. But when the day came, God told them to go into the ark. The animals were in the ark. And the Bible says God closed the door. There are times and seasons in God's economy. And when God closes the door, he says in Revelations, I'll open a door that no man can close, and I will close a door that no man can open. And when God closes the door, it is shut. And once Noah and his family were inside... He closed the door to the ark, and it was shut. And they were kept safe during the judgment. Then we have 2,000 years after the flood, started pretty soon after the flood with a man called Abraham. And God focused on Abraham and said, through you will come a savior, a seed. 
And he told the Hebrew people, as they multiplied, I want you to evangelize. And that's why even on the day of Acts, we see in the New Testament, Jews came, people who had converted to Judaism from around the world to the Feast of Pentecost. And that's why they heard the disciples who were praying in numerous tongues that they didn't learn, they heard their own languages being spoken. They were proselytizing, they were witnessing, they were evangelizing because the Hebrew faith believed that the only way to God was to convert and become a Jew and fulfill all of the law. The Bible clearly tells us that the law can only show us how high and perfect God's standard is and how much we are broken and we need a Savior. Everyone say amen, we need a Savior. And that 2,000 years culminated, and we're actually going to celebrate that next Sunday. Palm Sunday is all about the fact that Jesus was on a donkey, sitting on the mountain, about to ride into Jerusalem, and he wept. But you say, why would he be weeping Palm Sunday? They were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, this is our king. They were excited. He rode into Jerusalem, and he cleansed the temple. He said, my father's house is supposed to be a place of prayer. People from all nations and prayer for the nations. And the priests heard the ruckus. They heard the noise. They heard the chickens clucking. As he overturned all the tables. Did you like that? Did I do that well? I could do a lion, but I don't think there were any lions in the temple. And the priests and the Pharisees came out and they said, by what authority do you do this? And he said, my father, it is written, his house should be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves where you use unjust uh, money exchange systems and you defraud people, even the poor who can only afford a turtle dove and they come with their money and you use wrong weights and you cheat them and you shortchange them. You're a bunch of thieves. And they got angry with Jesus and they threw him out of the church. Jesus wept. He said, oh, Jerusalem, if only you had known the day of the coming of your God. Hello? Some 37 years later, like Jesus predicted after they crucified him, The temple was destroyed, not one stone left on another. The whole city was destroyed. A rebellion had risen up, and the Roman soldiers were ordered to totally decimate Judea. And it ceased to be a nation from 70 AD until 1948. 2,000 years, the second lot of 2,000 years, judgment. The gospel came to the Gentile world and everyone said, thank you, Jesus. But we are closing in on the end, the completion of a full 2,000 years. And just before the wrath, just before the judgment, God is going to send his son, the bridegroom, to get his bride and take her home. Amen. Amen. And so I want to show you just this one-minute clip. Thank you, guys. If you would close all the lights.
But Jesus warns that many will not accept his offer to attend his wedding feast. That there will be many that choose to be separated from him for all of eternity. Those that will be left behind. When they get to the Father's house, everybody piles into the compound now, and the feast is set and ready to go, and the door is shut behind them. And no one leaves, and no one comes in for seven days and nights. And in ancient Galilee, if you were locked out, there was no getting in. Imagine the day that the first drop of rain hit the earth and Noah and his family were sealed up in that ark. And something that Noah had been prophesying that was unheard of actually started to happen. The heaven, the heavens were spitting rain. And people pounded on that door, but there was no opening the door. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for a bride who understands we married up and I'm going to live in a way that is worthy of the one who has chosen to marry me. The very last scripture that I have, guys, my very last text in if you'd put it on the screen for me. David, I came down from the platform about 15 seconds too early. <laughs> Verse 13, therefore Jesus said, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. Church, yeah, I want to be the pastor of a vibrant, exciting church. But I want to be the pastor of a vibrant, exciting, spirit-filled church for one main reason, not for my ego. So that when I stand before my dad, I can hear him say, well done, son. Well done. You preach the truth in season and out of season. Would you stand with me as we get ready for a wedding banquet? Amen. I hope you can stay. If you are a first-time visitor, you, the mere fact you're here, you are invited. And we have plenty of food. Does that sound good? Before I do a blessing on the food, most important question, there's only one way into the ultimate wedding banquet. And that is to have asked Jesus Christ into your heart. You see, I'm a decent person now, but my decency doesn't measure up when you look at all the things I've ever done wrong. I'm sad to say, I know there are, there are periods in my life where I've hurt people, where I've done things wrong that I hope you'll never know about. Just like you've done things you hope I never know about. I thank God 
that he is a father who is so loving that he washes us in the blood of his son. And the Bible says never to be remembered again. Do you know that if you stumble in the same area once you've been forgiven and you stumble again and you pray earnestly and say, Father, please forgive me again. He says, what do you mean again? Because he keeps no record of our sin. Yeah, absolutely. I can't earn this, but God's grace will give it to any one of us, irrespective of where we've come from or what we've done or what's been done to us. Jesus says, come, come. In fact, in Revelations chapter 22, in our prayer meeting yesterday, one of the intercessors, Kathy, read a scripture, said, Pastor, can I read a scripture? And in Revelations 22, she started to read the scripture, and all the intercessors started crying out to God. The Spirit and the bride says, come. Come. Those that are thirsty, come. You see, the Spirit of God puts a call out into the earth. But it's the bride as well who says, come. And if we're going to live as wise brides, there are two ways that we say, come with the Holy Spirit to a world that is dying. And the first is by praying and interceding for the lost and calling them out in the Spirit to come and be born again and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the second way that the bride stays ready is by sharing invitations to the greatest wedding that will ever be. Inviting people to come to Jesus Christ. You see, as Christians, we can't just be the recipients of God's grace. He calls us to be ready by being people who help deliver the message of God's grace. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart today, maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've been coming and listening to these Weird and wonderful messages that pastor throws together for a long time. But if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, while every eye is closed and everyone is thinking thoughtfully before the Lord, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, and I hope you're ready, because this was the best day of my life and it'll be the best day of your life ever. Right now, wherever you are, Raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to invite Christ to be in my heart. Come on, raise your hand right now and say, you're talking to me. You're preaching to me. Whether you're watching online or you're here in this room right now, raise your hand and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. And there's a second category that the Spirit of God is talking to, and that is to people who have been part of the bride, but we've fallen asleep. We've become dull. We've slipped away. We've gone back to places in our life where he saved us from. And we've walked away. 
But you want to make a fresh commitment today and invite Christ to afresh take control of your life again right across this auditorium while every eye is closed. Raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to be right with the Lord. I want to make a fresh commitment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want everyone to agree with me in prayer. I know that for many of you, you've already prayed this prayer. You're not getting saved again. We're saying it for the benefit of those that are making this decision, both online and here in this auditorium. Prayer of welcoming Christ. Repeat after me. Dear God, we thank you now for this great love that you have loved us with. Jesus Christ, thank you for loving me, choosing me, dying for me, and rising again to live in me. Forgive me of all my sins. I want you, Jesus Christ, to live inside of me. Cleanse me and fill me with your righteousness. I thank you, Father. I believe and I receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Come on, let's put our heads together for the Lord. Belinda, you know why I go to such lengths like this? Because if it's a word of God that he told me to preach, then it's a word worth remembering. It's not because, oh, he likes being flamboyant and, you know, he's a bit of an actor. He's a dresser. I'm glad you didn't put the word cross in front of that, but... <clears throat> no, you see... If God is speaking, then it's worth remembering. And I tried to build pictures that will stick in people's memory. Because today, I'm hot. In a month's time, when the enemy's pulling on me, I want pictures to remain in your heart that will hold you true to the faith. Amen. Well, we're going to have a wedding celebration. There's a banquet waiting for us, and every one of you are invited. Last week, I talked about how the groom came and served all the guests. So as we end, and I'm going to bless the food, all the pastors, myself including, we're going to be standing behind the tables as the servers today. And as you come by, we're going to spoon food out for you and bless you and bless the food in Jesus' name. I believe in servant leadership. Amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this food. I thank you. Oh, all the people that helped at the last minute and kept it a secret. I thank you for the wedding cake maker, the food maker, the, the decorators, all the work all the preparation. Now bless this food and bless this house. Bless your bride in Jesus' name. 
and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.